when he uh, when he sent me that text, I thought about uh, something that that is has been really really inspiring to me, and uh, I learned a long time ago. An old preacher told me he said, "If if you can't enjoy what you're preaching about, nobody else will." So uh, uh, I want to share some things with you today that uh, uh, I'm going to have to condense it down to get it in this little uh, slot here. And and uh, but I'm gonna. I think I can do that. Uh, there's always been um, uh, something intriguing to me. Of course, growing up in in the home like I did, my dad ate, lived, slept. <laughs> everything was about the Bible. Uh, and and I don't want to get into a lot of a lot of that stuff. I'd, it'd take me too too much time. But uh, but. From that, I think all of us boys picked up a love for the Word, and uh, Brother Dennis and I had breakfast yesterday morning, and we were talking about a bunch of these things. He and I spent a lot of time on the phone talking about preaching stuff, and and just did you look at it from this angle, and have you thought about this, and 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 stuff stuff we're preaching. But uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit today and you remember anybody, there's some a bunch of you in here today that will remember a guy named Paul Harvey and one of his hallmarks was a little segment he had called the rest of the story that's what I want to talk about today for for a little while is about the rest of the story and uh, I'm I'm not going to read a lot to you today but I'm going to I'm going to tell you where it's where I'm going from uh and and I'm going to my text would be in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, from about verse 9 through 19. And uh, uh, John is, is on the Isle of Patmos, and uh, he. Uh, I'm going to drop down here just to read a little bit because I want to get on, on into this. Uh, and, and he said, uh, he, uh, he, well, let me just read this last little part. He said, he laid his right hand upon me and saying unto me, Fear not, for I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Uh, there, uh, there are those going throughout the land today uh, that it is extremely uh, popular uh, to uh, to discredit the the Bible as as the holy book that it is. Uh, there's uh, uh, apps. I've, I've got a, an app on on my phone that I use a lot uh, called YouVersion. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's a whole bunch of Bible apps. And in that ver that app that I have, there there must be fifty different translations. You know, and, and boy, you get all kinds of stuff. And so there, there are those then that believe that, that the Bible is not complete because there's a lot of other books that were written that should have been incorporated in it, and, and it's not. So, you know, the Bible's really not complete. And then some come back with the argument and say, yeah, but it was just written by ordinary men, and it's not. No, 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 no. Let, let me tell you something. I, I am convinced today, and I'm going to tell you that, that I, I think you can stake your claim on what you have in that, in that, that holy book that's called the Bible, and it's enough. That's enough. I, and, and I'm going to try to convince you today or, or maybe reaffirm to you today 
that it is complete, and and uh, and and I think you'll be saved. So you don't have to worry about what was left out or what's not there because the Bible said uh, uh, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I think God has preserved this for us to have that and have that to to, to live by. Um. While uh, while we've often <coughs> fretted about that there isn't more detail uh, given the things that are mentioned, I am convinced that, that there's enough. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, the Bible said, And we are witnesses of these things, and so it is also the, uh, the Holy Ghost. And I'm thinking, okay, what things? And then you look down in Acts chapter 10, he said, And we are witnesses of all these things. And, and then he talks a little bit about um, which he did both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. And I'm thinking, okay, tell us, what, what, what are you witnessing? What did you see that you, uh, he said, yeah, we, we were there. We, we saw that. It's true. You can just believe us. And so uh, I understand that. But, boy, sometimes I scratch my head and think, I'd love to know a little bit more of those other things. I, and, and then somebody said, man, if it put them all in there, you know, you'd have a big old book. Well, it would be nice, but anyway, we don't, we don't have that. Uh, I've often wished that when Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven, and you think, boy, he's going to give us some insight, but he said, I saw things, I heard things that are not lawful to be uttered. I, I just can't tell you about it. But he did tell us enough. We have enough. But I want to share uh, some things with you today that, that, that's primarily from the Bible, but a little bit of stuff that, that comes from, from early church history. And I'm not here for a debate. I'm not here to, to conflict with, with your ideas and, and whatever. I remember one of the, one of the greatest <coughs> schoolings I got was when I went to, to win uh, with Brother Ramsey and was his assistant just as a young preacher back in 1973. Uh, there was an old gentleman that, that would sit, oh, about three or four pews back, uh, and, and near this center aisle, there was two rows of pews in the center aisle, and he'd sit right there, and he'd always hold his, hold his Bible in his hand, and I don't know if it was just when I was preaching or whatever, but that's the way it seemed, but, but if I ever gave a scripture, he's got his Bible right there. And one time I made the, I made the mistake of, of saying the Bible said, uh, that that uh, when God <clears throat> forgives us, he, uh, he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against us anymore. And after church that night, that old man caught me before I got out the door, and he said, where is that at in the Bible? <laughs> and I said, well, I can't tell you exactly, but I'll find it for you. He said, I wish you would. And I searched and I searched and I got the concordance and I can't find it just like I said it. But that old man wanted me to know if I'm going to tell you it's in the Bible, then it, 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 better, it better be in there. Well, sometimes we paraphrase and, and sometimes. So I learned then that, that I'm not here to debate you. I, I'm going to say some things that that's my opinion or this is what I have learned. And, and uh, so we'll just, we'll just go from, uh, from there. But. There is a lot out there that we don't have at our fingertips that actually happened. One of the greatest books you'll probably ever pick up and read along this line is uh, The Life and Works of a guy named Flavius Josephus, 
who was a historian who lived and wrote during the time of Jesus and the apostles and lots of tremendous things there. John said in chapter 21 and verse 25 that many other things which Jesus did, the which if they were to be written in uh, everyone in a book, he said, I suppose the world could not contain the books that, that could be written. But again, we have enough. And so what I want to talk to you about today is, is you remember that John was one of the 12 apostles, okay? Uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting things about John. He was chosen of the Lord. He is the one so often mentioned when you'll hear, uh, uh, you'll read in the Bible talk about Peter, James, and John. And, and Andrew was often in that group, and, and there's a reason. I'll try to get to that uh, in, in a few minutes, but... Uh, Peter, James, and John, and often Andrew, was, was very closely associated with the Lord. Uh, uh, John is the writer of the Gospel of John in the New Testament, often referred to as St. John. Uh, he is also the writer of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he is also the writer of the book of Revelation. Um, he is one of the. He is the only one of the twelve disciples that died a natural death. The rest of them were all martyred, and uh, somehow miraculously, and I think I understand why. It was by the hand of God that that John survived all of the things they they tried to do. Uh, of course, you know what happened to Judas, and he was replaced by Matthias. Uh, in Acts chapter 12 is the story of Herod, who uh, killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And uh, he saw it please the Jews so well that after Passover and Easter, he planned to kill Peter too. But the Bible said prayer was made, and Peter was visited with an angel that came and smote him on the side. And while he was asleep, and he led him out of the prison. Uh, history indicates to us that Peter was crucified upside down because he was fixing to leave. Persecution was so strong, and he was leaving town. And he met the Lord, and, and he, he said, Jesus, where, where are you going? And he said, I'm going back to be crucified. And Peter said, no, 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 I, I, I got this. I got this. And Peter turned and went back and submitted himself to them and asked that he be crucified upside down, that he was not worthy to be crucified as his Lord was. And so history indicates to us that John was, um, was crucified upside down. There were four Herods. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but there were, there were four Herods, and they were all in the same family. Uh, there was uh, Herod Antipas, uh, who was the one who cut off the head of John the Baptist. Uh, he was the first one. And then there was Herod the Great, uh, who could have let Jesus go free, but he didn't. He passed that off and made Pilate uh, make the decision, and, and you know all about that, so I won't spend a lot of time with that. But then there was Herod Agrippa the uh, I, and he was, he was the one who intended to kill Peter. Uh, but but God smote him with worms because he had made this this great uh, speech and and the people were so caught up in it they cried and screamed and said uh, it is not the voice of a man it is it is the voice of God 
and uh, God smote him with, with worms, and he was consumed and, and died. And then there was Herod Agrippa II, who was the one that Paul must go and testify to. And Paul's witness was so strong that uh, uh, King, uh, the, the Bible records it in Acts as Agrippa, but he was actually Herod Agrippa II. And he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So there was all four of those, and that was their relationship uh, with the church. But they had a half-brother who actually ended up in ministry uh, on, on the ministry staff down at the church at Antioch, the first Christian church, and he was on, on the ministry staff there. So somewhere that thing changed. Somewhere the gospel got through, and, 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 and he became one of those. But Herod... Uh, the, the, was the one that, that tried to kill John, but, but he couldn't. And so they put him, history says, in a kettle of, of boiling oil. And to their surprise and amazement, uh, it, it didn't have much effect on him. And they got him out of that. And, and uh, so this guy is scratching his head and trying to figure out. And so somebody said, well, let's just burn him at the stake. And so they tied John to the stake and, and, and started a, a little fire. And somebody comes along and out of anger just to make sure and just pierces John. And history says that the blood ran down and put out the fire. There's a great historian called, I think it was a writer, one of John's counterparts named Polycarp that, that wrote a lot about that. And, and to their amazement, what is going on with this guy? And so finally they decided that the only thing to do then is to banish him to this Isle of Patmos. And so when they, when, when they decide that, that that's what to do, I've read something that was quite interesting that, that said that, that Herod became so nervous because it's, it's like a guy he can't kill. And he knows the history. He knows what his brothers have done and, and knows how all these other things have worked. But now he's got, he's got a guy that won't die. You know why? There's a God that had his hand on it and said, Hey, no, 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 I'm not ready for this guy to go yet. He's, he's got some things I need him to do. And, and he is preserving the life of John. And there's a lot of these things that, that we don't understand and it doesn't make sense to us. You know, and I'm sure, I don't think I'm the only one here today that has wondered and watched and scratched our head when 14 people go through a prayer line and one or two of them are healed and two or three of them are not. And, you know, and why? Well, there is no rhyme, no reason. I don't know. But, but I have just learned that there are some things we, we leave the hand of God. But God said, nah, I got something else for this guy to do. He's not finished yet. So. Uh, John is banished to that Isle of Patmos. And there is that reading that I read with you a little bit ago. And John writes, and he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voices of trumpets saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, which thou seest, what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches of Asia. And he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John is in for the great experience of his life. And you've you got to understand how, how John and Jesus grew up together. And, and here they are in, in these places and, and through the garden and all of these things that John has been. And now John ends up on the Isle of Patmos. But he says, when I saw him again, I fell at his feet as dead. 
And he laid his right hand on me and he said, John, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the guy that lived and was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. And he said, I want you to write these things which shall be hereafter. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding about the book of Revelation. A lot of people are scared of the book of Revelation. And they, they think that the book of Revelation is the revelation of the end time. Well, it is. There's a lot of stuff in there. But if you look at the very first verse in, in there, he said is is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's not just revelation about, about plagues and, and, and vials and horses and fires and all that stuff. But it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of good reading in the book of Revelation. And if you're a little apprehensive about it, don't be. Because I think there's a lot of, a lot of things in there that, uh, that you would get a great understanding. That once you kind of understand why and how that, that God preserved John, uh, we call him John the Revelator, the Apostle John to be spared until that place that he could get him alone from everywhere else and everybody else don't have any friends, don't have any cell phones, don't have any iPads, don't have any distractions. And he said, John, I really want you to pat me because it's just going to be you and me. And I'm going to show you things that have never been revealed before, and I want you to write them down. So take a pocket full of pencils. Take a bunch of legal pads and write it down. And when you get this thing all written down, I want you to send it uh, to these seven churches in, in Asia. John is probably the guy who understood the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ better than anybody else. <laughs> you know what John was called? He was called the beloved. John was that affectionate guy that was that was always near Jesus' side, and he wants to be with him. And, and, and he was sitting by him at supper, and the Bible said uh, he laid his head on Jesus' breast. And when Jesus said, one of you is going to crucify me, they're all whispering, ask him who it is. Ask him who it is. And all of them are saying, is it I? Is it I? And finally they just got down and said, John, you've got his ear. Ask him who it is. He writes in the gospel to explain about the divinity and the humanity of Christ. He understood that dual nature. And in chapter 4, uh, verse 2 and 3, he said, uh, uh, in 1 John, he said, uh, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. So if you look close at John's gospel in 1 and 1, he said, it, be, it, it starts off reading like Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, uh, God created the heaven and the earth. And then John wrote in, in, in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he puts those things together and say, man, look here. This is, this is how this thing really is. And, and he's trying to explain the humanity and the divinity because John understood that on his mother's side he is human, but on his father's side he, he was divine. And, and, and in these last few minutes, let me just try to help you with that. 
What John is actually writing about in verse 14 said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What John is saying is, I was there. I saw Him. I touched Him. Now here's where it really gets interesting. Matthew, Mark, and Luke write their Gospels almost immediately, shortly after the death of Jesus and the ascension and what have you. Uh, it is recorded that James was the bishop of the first church at Antioch. Uh, and then John lived then to be about 100 years old. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel are what's called synoptic gospels. Have you ever noticed that you'll read a story in Matthew, and if you flip over to Mark, you'll find the same story but just a little bit different, you know? And then you go over to Luke, and Luke tells that story, but he's got a little, there's a little bit different. Those are synoptic gospels. But do you ever notice John is not a synoptic gospel? And the reason was that Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote theirs shortly after that, and they focused mostly on the last year of Jesus' ministry. And so John has been on the Isle of Patmos, and he's gotten this great revelation, and he's been working on, on, on getting all of that written out and to the churches and, and so on, and time is going by, and John is, is getting older. And so now... It, uh, John, John goes back and, and he settles down at, at probably 60, 50, 60 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had been written. And John is going through what Matthew wrote. And he's going through what Mark wrote. And he goes through what Luke, and, and he looks at them as, as synoptic and, and saying, hey, hey guys, no, 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 wait a minute. Then what happened is he got to Ephesus. And he found out that there is, is all of this uh, stuff that said, you know, Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. That's just a figment of people's imagination and all this kind of stuff. And John sat down and said, I got to tell you the rest of the story. I got to give you a, an insight and some light on this stuff that you haven't gotten yet. And so John sits down and begins to write his gospel probably 60 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he goes through and looks at it, and he said, Hey, guys, uh, you know, you left out the first miracle Jesus ever done. You know what the first miracle Jesus performed was? It was the turning of the water into wine at, at the marriage. You know why John... <laughs> knew so much about that and why John was so concerned about that. It was his wedding. John said, that was my wedding. You guys didn't put it in there. Well, he turned the water into wine. See, John's mother was named Salome. Salome was a sister to Mary. And so Mary probably said, could you help me with this wedding? Could you be in charge of the refreshments and stuff? That's the reason Mary is so nervous when she discovers they are out of wine. And it's John's wedding. 
And, Je- and, and Mary says, hey, hey, Jesus, guess what? They run out of wine. And he said, Mama, don't tell me about that. That's not my problem. My time is not yet. But she knew something was going on. And she turned to those and said, hey, if he asks you to do anything, you go ahead and do it. And so you know the rest of that story. So uh, that story. So I got I to gotta hurry real quickly. Just a couple more things that I want to tell you. So John goes to looking through these and seeing all these things, and he said, hey, guys, y'all didn't say anything about old Nicodemus. I'm going to put that in my book. And so if John hadn't hadn't come along 60 years later and wrote the book of John and told about Nicodemus, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't know that. That's in chapter 3, and then he turns over to chapter 4, and he says, well, wait a minute. Well, you, you got, hey, I remember that time with the woman at the well. I don't see that in any of you guys' writings. I'm going to put that in there. That happened earlier, so you guys got so consumed with that last year, you didn't get that. <coughs> and then he goes to chapter 5, <coughs> and he tells about the, the lame man that was at the pool for 38 years. Chapter 8, he talks about the woman that was taken in adultery. Chapter 9, he talks about the man that was born blind. None of these things are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John said, I want you to know the rest of the story. There's some more things here I think you really need to know. He said, hey, what about Lazarus? That's not in your book. I'm going to put that in there. I think that's pretty important. And so John puts that in there, the washing of the, of the feet of the disciples in chapter 13. And then, oh, I got to quit. Give me just one more minute. And then in John 14, 15, and 16 is what Jesus said at the Last Supper. And John wrote it all out in detail. But then the one that I want to leave you with is this. And when, when, when I got a hold of this and really got to looking at it, it, it was absolutely amazing to me because we have read it, we have preached it, we have talked about it, but we've never thought about how we got it. You remember when, when Jesus was about to be crucified and he said, he said, my soul is very sorrowful, and he takes with him Peter, James, and John, and, and perhaps Andrew, but, but at least... Those and, and he goes and goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, he said, you, you pray here. Just pray with me. My soul is exceeding sorrow. And the Bible said he goes on a little further and he prays. And he prays and his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he comes back and he finds them asleep. And he said, hey, hey guys, wait, can you not... Watch with me just one hour. And he wakes them up and he goes back and he prays. And he comes back and they're asleep again. This time he said, okay, guys, just sleep on, take your rest, it's over. But somehow, <laughs> when, when, you get, when you get down there in, in, in John chapter 17, You read what Jesus is praying. How in the world did we get that? John said, I wasn't asleep. 
I wanted to hear what he's praying. What is his soul so travailing about? And John hears him praying, Oh, Father, that they may be one even as we are one. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And John hears him in such travail. And John said, I can't sleep through this. And so that old man now, at the last years of his life, when he's writing his gospel, said, I remember being in the garden with him. And I remember how you wouldn't have that if it hadn't been for John coming back and writing his epistle or his, his gospel 50, 60 years after they've got what they think they had. But John said, no, God has held this back. And when I, when I got to thinking about that, I thought, man, what a man who had such a relationship with Jesus that, that while his, his buddies are sleeping, he said, no, no, I want to I hang on to every word I can get a hold of this guy's. And John comes back and writes it. Oh, there's, there's a lot more to it. But, but anyway, John lived to be about 100 years old. Let, let, me, let me leave you with this. Let's stand. <coughs> Finally, John is near 100 years old, and he is back in Jerusalem, and he goes by the temple, and as he walks in the back, somebody said, there's John, there's John, what do you mean John, the old apostle John, <laughs> and so they said, John, John, come, come talk to us, tell us about Jesus. And the story is that John walks to the front and he says, love one another. And he starts to walk away. Wait, wait, John, 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 tell us, what, what did he say? And John said, love one another. And he starts to walk away, and they compel him once more. <clears throat> and all John would tell them that day, when, when they, what, what is the message from him? And John just said, love one another. And you know what that came? That came from that prayer that Jesus so fervently prayed in the garden until his sweat became his great drops of blood. But what stuck in John's mind was when he heard Jesus crying and travailing and said, Father, that they may be one as we are one. I hope this has meant something to you, but, but it was been so inspiring to me to dig into that study of John and to see how all those years had passed, but God had preserved that. And then the things that, that we just take the Bible for granted and that's the way it is, but boy, underneath there, are some real stories, and I hope this rest of the story, just a little bit about John, has helped you today. Let's thank him. Lord, thank you today for your word, your word that has been preserved unto us and given to us that things, I'm, I'm glad you let us know about Nicodemus. I'm glad you let us know about the woman at the well. I'm glad you let us know about all these things that John remembered, but most of all, I'm so glad to know that you prayed for us and, and your greatest prayer was that we could be one, that we could love one another, give us a love for one another like we have never had in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.